0: Hello there, this is your AEW Revolution 2023 review, I'm your host G2, and AEW Revolution was a good pay-per-view. As a matter of fact, it was better than good, it was a great pay-per-view. Almost every match on this show proved a point to show everyone that AEW literally is on top, and I think that with only eight matches on the pay-per-view, it really allowed the fans to really pay attention to what's going on in the ring instead of constantly worried about okay we got this match coming up next and this match after that and freaking just looking at their watches be like oh my god when is this thing going to be over with like fans of AEW have done in their previous pay-per-views that had 10 or 11 matches on them so but now that out of the way let's start off with our review here first thing to note on the pre-show of Revolution there will be an announcement from Adam Cole that he will be wrestling on Dynamite of March 29th so we have our Adam Cole return date back in the ring now, AEW would open up with Ricky Starks going against Chris Jericho with the Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. Or shall we say, they should have been banned from ringside. Because towards the end of the match, Ricky Starks would have Chris Jericho in a Boston, uh, single leg Boston hold. And as Jericho is close to the bottom turnbuckle where the bat is, Sammy Guevara would start running down to the ring. And as I said, Jericho appreciates society members were all supposed to be barred from ringside, but Sammy would start running down to the ring. But he would get trucked by Action Andretti, and Andretti would make sure that Sammy would not be able to interfere none in this match, as he would brawl with Sammy up the ramp. Now, as the referee is seeing this, Jericho would grab his bat and he would hit Ricky Starks with said bat. Now Jericho will look to hit the Judas Effect on Ricky Starks, but Ricky would catch Jericho's arm and then start hammering uh, Jericho behind the head with his forearm multiple times, then transition that into the Rochambeau and hit it on Jericho, then pin Jericho to win the match. So this would give Ricky Starks the win here. Good opening matchup for AEW Revolution. This is Jericho's what? Fourth time losing at Revolution. He lost to Moxley whenever the pay-per-view actually ended in 2020. Uh, he lost in this tag team matchup with him and MGF going against the Young Bucks. And he lost last year against Eddie Kingston. And I believe that match also opened up Revolution. So Chris Jericho doesn't have good luck at Revolution, but this match was good here, and hopefully Ricky Starks is done with the Jericho Appreciation Society. He probably might not be done with them all the way because he's going to try to still help out Action and Andretti, who's going to still have beef with Jericho Appreciation Society. But as a big overarching arc, I'm hoping that Ricky Starks can now move on to something bigger and better because Ricky Starks is one of the people that you should be Putting your eggs in that basket for him to stay in AEW that you see to have a future with to actually move on and go after a championship hopefully before this year is done with. That's what I'm hoping they're doing with Ricky Starks here. With Jericho, he could still be a legend. He is a legend. He can do whatever he wants, and hopefully he could just start putting the shine on Action and Andretti, or if not Andretti, more members of his Jericho Appreciation Society members. Someone like a Dale Garcia or a 2.0 or even his protege, Sammy Guevara, so let Jericho do that here. Now, after this match, we'll get the final burial between Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, and the only way to win this match was to put your opponent in a casket, and that's the way to win. Now, the casket would be on the entrance stage, and it would be surrounded by dirt, so it looks like you're actually going to bury somebody, but you gotta put them inside the casket first, so that's the way that setting will look, and it was weird, Because I thought that it was just going to be another like um, Buried Alive match that WWE has. That you just put your opponent literally into a ground and you just start shoveling dirt onto them. But no, you actually put them inside a casket. So that was their one little tweak on their little Buried Alive match up here. Um, Christian Cage. People on Twitter were getting at Christian Cage for wearing all black. He wore black pants and black boots. And he wore a sleeveless turtleneck. People were... Laughing and just running amok with that on Twitter. I didn't care too much. I paid too much attention onto the matchup here. Um, Jungle Boy would win the match by putting Christian Cage in the casket and shutting the lid on him after he hits him with a concerto. Now, Jungle Boy, he finally becomes a man here. When he does hit Christian with the concerto, he will put Christian inside the casket. He will look at him for a minute, and then he will kiss him on the forehead, then shut the lid. So that's his final technically goodbye of the father figure that he had in professional wrestling of AEW here. That's a guy that's been looking after him for some time. And now Jungle Boy, I felt that was a symbolic gesture of saying I'm burying that past now and I'm going to be just moving on to my new future. As Jungle Boy has already stated, he wants to be champion before this year's over with. So I see that in Jungle Boy's card now. I see that we're going to get a more serious side of Jungle Boy, who's going to be focusing on championships. Now, what title is he going after? I have no idea. He said he wants singles gold. So that's going to be a nice little fun ride to see where uh, this takes us with Jungle Boy. But Jungle Boy and Christian, he had a nice, solid brawl here. Uh, Jungle Boy would make Christian bleed in the match. Not too much. Gave him a nice little cut. Some blood come down. Um, highlights of the match would be Christian throwing dirt into Jungle Boy's uh, face. I like that. That was childish to me. Uh, Jungle Boy jumping off the stage onto Christian Cage and Jungle Boy locking in the snare trap using a shovel on Christian. So those are my little highlights. I picked up on this match up here, but Jungle Boy and Christian, you knew what this match was going to be. You knew that it was a no holds barred. They did what they could do in this match up here. And I feel that again, Jungle Boy, he's going to do his thing, going to become a singles champion. Where does this leave Christian? (sighs) I mean, he can still have Luchasaurus because Luchasaurus got to come back sometime. And I can see them still being a package deal here. And I can see Christian and Luchasaurus probably going after the tag team titles or getting one other person to go after the trios championships somewhere in 2023. That would be a good look for them. Um, But Christian being a singles champion, I'm not certain of that. I think that he needs to just stick to tag team or trios, but only time will tell what they do with Christian Cage now that he's done with Jungle Boy here. And speaking of the trio championships, that was the next matchup. The Elite going against the House of Black. And the House of Black would win the match by pinfall when the Young Bucks would go for the Meltzer driver. But Bunny Matthews would hit Nick Jackson with a knee strike. And this would allow Malachi Black to hit Matt Jackson with a roundhouse kick. And then Buddy and Brody King would hit Dante's Inferno and cover Matt Jackson to become the new Trio's Champions. This match right here was one of the Match of the Night contenders. You have this match, you have the main event, which is a Iron Man match, and you have John Moxley and Hangman Page. I'll get to those two other matches when it's time for them. But those are the three matches that were literally Match of the Night contenders here. This match, you knew what it was going to be. You had stare-downs with Kenny and Malachi, Kenny and Buddy Matthews. Those are like the two matches that people on the internet have been waiting to see for some time. Especially Kenny and Buddy because people have always made the claim that Buddy Matthew steals moves. And they like to highlight that he steals some of Kenny Omega's moves. So to see Kenny Omega going against Buddy Matthews in those brief moments in those matches, it was a nice little... Uh, situation to see and then whenever you saw Kenny going against Malachi Black in those one-off situations in this match it was nice to see there was an inverted V trigger to Julia Hart when you saw Julia Hart on the ring apron and Kenny told her to get down off the ring apron she didn't listen to him so Malachi tried to take advantage try to hit a kick on Kenny Kenny would duck it he would get Malachi up for the one-wing angel Malachi would get off his shoulder and he's next to the ring apron. Kenny would run over to try to hit him with a V-trigger. Malachi would move out of the way, and that's how Julia Hart would get hit, and that's the big bump that Julia Hart would take for tonight. Kenny, he wouldn't have no remorse. He would just look at Julia Hart on the ground, just laid out, and he would just like shrug his shoulders, and then he'll go back to action here. And I found that hilarious, because usually with good guy wrestlers, they always feel some type of remorse. They always had the oh-no face. Kenny just looked at it for a brief second and just... Shrugged the shoulders and went back to business. I find that's the way that it should be, especially when you're in a wrestling contest against your enemy. But, hey, that's just a common wrestling trope that doesn't get followed here. But the Elite and House of Black tore it down. I mean, these are two teams that went blow for blow with each other, especially the Young Bucks. They did their whole super kick party, which we haven't seen in some time. And people might say, oh, we always see a super kick from the Young Bucks. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about they went super kick heavy in this matchup. I mean, super kick heavy in the way that they used to do in Ring of Honor and New Japan. We haven't seen this style of Young Buck super kick in a long time. And I like that they did that here. That showed how much of a threat House of Black truly was for the Elite. And in the end, as you could tell, they were that big of a threat because they ended up taking the Trios Championships. And that caught me by surprise, personally, because when you think about it, the Elite just won the trios championships away from Death Triangle in the best of seven series. And they probably only had one or two defenses and they were on Rampage. I don't think they had one on Dynamite ever since they won it. I know they were like on Rampage. So now House of Black has the championships, which I'm not mad about. I'm happy about it because Malachi is a champion, Buddy Matthews is a champion, Brody King's is a champion. So now you have the whole House of Black collective as champions. And again, I didn't expect this to happen, but I'm not disappointed in it. But it does lead to the question, where does this lead the Elite now? I hope that they get their rematch with the House of Black and you get to see this type of matchup on Dynamite. That's what I'm hoping for. But if that doesn't happen, I can see the Young Bucks probably going back to the tag team division. So now I can see the tag team division about to get spicy and heated. Because I'll get to that in a minute. Because we have the Fatal 4-Way tag match later in the night. And I'll get to that when it's time. But the tag team division starting to get smoking again. And Kenny, he's the IWGP United States champion. So I can see him probably going back to Japan and defending that championship over there, or being on Dynamite or Rampage and defending the United States championship. So Kenny Omega, he has something to do at the moment, but the Young Bucks, they're kind of, they don't have much to do. So right now I can see them going back to the tag team division if they do not get back those trios championships. Now off to the AEW Women's Championship matchup. Triple threat, Jamie Hayter with Britt Baker in her corner going against Soraya who had Tony Storm in her corner going against Ruby Soho, who had nobody in her corner. Jamie Hader would win the match by pinfall by pinning Ruby Soho after Jamie was looking to hit Ruby with Hader Raid, but Soraya would take the hit, and then you start seeing Ruby and Jamie trade off pinfalls, and Jamie would get the win by getting Ruby in a crucifix pin for the win. Now, this match, it did happen in the ring, and it did go out outside of the ring and into the crowd. At one point, you saw Ruby Soho... Jump off the barricade and jump onto both Jamie, Hader, and Soraya on the outside into the crowd. I did not know how to feel about that because, again, I'm always skeptical of Soraya because she just came back. I mean, legit just came back and she still got to, I feel to me, she still got to feel her way through the ring test. I'm not so sure how many times she took bumps outside of the ring on concrete the way that she did here with this, but she was still able to move, but it did kind of get me to grit my teeth. When I saw that, I was like, Ugh. because again, I don't want to see nobody get hurt. And I know all these wrestlers in here, even though it's their job to do what they got to do, they don't want to really hurt nobody and get them seriously injured. The way that Soraya literally had her career cut, the way the edge did. And Daniel Bryan had his career cut for a minute. Now that all three of them are back, Soraya doing this, I just gripped my teeth a little bit because I look at her on a little bit more frailer side, if I'm going to be truly honest, than Brian Danielson and Edge. But Sareah she did pull through. She still hanged in there with Jamie and Ruby Soho. But people did not like the finish. People thought that the match should end with a finisher, but I found it all right because Jamie hated her. She won by any means necessary. And when you're in a match, in reality, you win by any means necessary, you get it by a pin... If you just get it by a sneak pin, you get it that way. But she got it by a crucifix pin. It didn't need to hit a finisher. So that's what happened. Now, after the match, Tony Storm would get in the ring, and her and Saraya would beat up on Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Ruby Soho would watch from the third turnbuckle as she's just sitting there. And Ruby would get tired of this. She would get up and throw both um Tony and Saraya out of the ring. And it looks like Ruby is standing with the AEW originals. As Jamie Hader would get up and she would raise up Ruby Soho's arm in the air to signify that Ruby's with them, Ruby would hit out future on Jamie Hader. And out future is basically an insecurity to Jamie Hader. And this would shock Britt Baker, and Britt Baker would run over to Ruby, and Ruby would grab Britt and hit destination unknown on Britt Baker. Now, Soraya and Tony would get back in the ring. And Ruby is now siding with them. And Ruby will get the spray paint can from them and spray paint both Tony Storm and Britt Baker. And now we have our three-woman power group here for AEW. Ruby Soho, I did not expect this. I thought she was just going to be a loner by herself and just have her Sami Zayn NXT style arc here. Because, again, people love Ruby Soho. People care for Ruby Soho. And I thought she was going to have her... Sami Zayn arc of NXT, the little underdog that constantly has to go through different things to finally win the big one, and I thought that's where we were going with this story with Ruby Soho, but no, she joins the group of Tony and Saray here. I thought that part spot was going to be reserved for Chris Statlander, but that didn't happen. So now we got these three standing together. How is this going to look? I don't know. I got to see how it all looks together I mean they look like misfits, but it kinda works when you think about it because all of them are not your prototypical uh WWE esque like women do put on your cover here. They're literally the misfits, the outcasts, and all that type of stuff. So this could work for them in AEW. It always uh gotta see. But that's what happened with this uh matchup here in the aftermath. Now onto the Texas death Match, the bloodiest match on the card. John Moxley going against Hangman Page. Hangman would win the match by making Mox submit when Hangman would hit Moxley with the Buckshot Lariat and Moxley already had chains wrapped around his neck. So Hangman would clothesline Moxley over the ropes and then grab the chains and start pulling on it. And now Moxley's trying to catch his breath as Hangman's Constantly pulling on the chain. Moxley would have to tap out. So, Hangman wins the matchup here. As I said, this was blood galore between both of these men. The weapons that were used in this were chains, barbed wire, a barbed wire chair, a barbed wire board, and bricks. Also, a fork was used in this match. And you heard me right, a fork. Because Moxley would be bloody... When Hangman would use the barbed wire to start cutting open Moxley's forehead and Moxley would return the favor by locking in Hangman in a triangular choke and he would start just jabbing at Hangman's forehead to make him bleed. And when he does this, you start seeing like blood like sprinkle onto Moxley's chest because Moxley would constantly start jabbing Hangman in the head and you start seeing it sprinkle onto Moxley. So... It was a real graphic scene here, but these two guys really put on a bloody bout here. And that's all the fans wanted. When you heard about a Texas death match and you heard about the story and you saw it between Moxley, Hayman and the as much animosity that they had towards each other. Yeah, sure. They have respect towards one another, but they still want to beat the ever loving piss out of each other. And they got this opportunity in this match up here. You saw them use barbed wire. You saw Hangman wrap his midsection in barbed wire to hit Moxley with a moonsault off the top turnbuckle to the outside of the ring. You saw Hangman get pushed off the top turnbuckle by Moxley into a barbed wire board outside of the ring. I mean, these two guys were just letting it go and letting it ring off on each other. At one point, you saw Moxley literally hit Hangman with the Death Rider. And then he put Hangman's head like on top of bricks. And then he hit the curb stomp on Hangman Page. I mean, these two guys were really going at it. If you have not seen this match, whether you got to order the pay-per-view or you try to find it somewhere, any way you can, because trust me, I'm not stupid. And I don't think AEW is stupid either. They know you're going to try to go any way you can to find it. And if you do, watch this matchup. I'm telling you, if you're into that hardcore stuff, I would suggest you watch this matchup because this was literally bloody and the real fans, they were the real winners here. The fans that are of bloody material of ECW or the GCW style, they were the real winners here because you got to see all that blood and all that type of stuff and personally, I was happy about it because you don't really get to see that much blood like that. I mean, certain guys like Moxley, he always bleeds, but just to see Hangman be bloody that bad, oh yeah, it was something to behold. Now, on to the TNT Championship matchup, Samoa Joe going against Warlow. Warlow would win the match by submission, when Joe would go for the powerbomb, but Warlow would get off of Joe's shoulders and headbutt him, and then lock in the Kokina Clutch on Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe would eventually fade So, Warlow is now your new TNT champion. This is the second time holding that TNT championship, and it has already been announced, and we already do know, that Powerhouse Hobbs will get the crack at Warlow for the TNT championship at Dynamite. Now, the real question remains is, is Powerhouse Hobbs going to beat Warlow, and Warlow's just going to be a hot potato champion, or is Warlow going to keep that championship? Only time will tell, and we'll find out on Dynamite. But this was a real quick match up here. If anything, this was the quickest match on the whole Revolution card. And I'm not mad at it, to be honest with you, because people were just got done seeing a bloody brawl between Heyman Page and Moxley. i do not sure if people were too focused in on this TNT championship, to be honest. So for Joe and Warlord to go really like, I'll give it what, seven or eight minutes or even nine. I'm not mad at it, to be truly honest with you. Now, after this, we get to the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Championship matchup. The Guns going against The Acclaim, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, and Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen. The Guns would retain their championships by pinfall when Jeff Jarrett was arguing with the referee and they got to a shoving contest. Austin Gunn would tag himself in, now making himself the legal participant, and the Guns would hit the three ten to Yuma on Dan Housen for the win. Now, there was a couple fun spots in this matchup. You saw Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and the guns scissor, like, literally around Anthony Bowens. You saw Anthony had to, like, battle those four guys. You saw Saddam Singh interfere in the matchup as he grabbed uh Danhausen by the throat. Orange Cassidy would come and hit Saddam Singh with the orange punch. Then you saw Dan Housen, like, Punch Sadam Singh in the nuts, and then Billy Guns would get in, and he would hit Sadam with the Famouser. Those were two uh, funny moments in this match up here. And this fatal four way tag match, it wasn't bad at all. People give crap because they didn't think that this match was going to be good, but this fatal four way match, it was pretty fun. It was pretty decent, to be honest with you. Now after the match, Renee Paquette will come down to the ring and interview the Guns, and the Guns basically that they want their respect. They earned it because they have beaten the claim. They beaten FTR. They beaten Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and Dan Housen and Arsh Cassidy. So they want their respect. And as soon as they say they are the best tag team in the world, enter FTR. FTR would make their way down to the ring with the crowd basically just popping forward. They are happy. They are excited to see FTR back on their television screens. FTR has not been around on aew programming i want to say since what the end of the year to the beginning of the year to be honest with you that ftr has been around on aew television they've been gone literally for about two months now so ftr being back here it was a good sight to see ftr would get in the rain to start brawling with the guns um ftr would hit colton Gun with a spike pile driver and then they'll hit the big rig on austin Gun. And then they will hold up the AEW Tag Team Championship. So FTR already had their sights on the guns. And the guns, they were having a few with FTR before FTR took a sabbatical. And they had to take a breather and breathe. So now they're going to finish off their rivalry that they had before they left. And that's a good thing to see because FTR was sorely missed in the tag team division. So now we're going to see how that continues on. Is the gun's going to beat FTR to retain their tag titles or are FTR going to become a two-time AEW Tag Team Champions, only time's going to tell for that. But as I said before, the Tag Team Division, they're starting to smoke up again because now we got FTR here. And with the Young Bucks and Kenny losing the Trios Championships, we can see the Young Bucks coming back to the Tag Team Division. And again, we got Top Flight, who Tony Khan has a lot of eggs in that basket. You see the acclaim who is still hot with the crowd. You see the guns, who the people hate, but hey, there's some magic to the guns. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, don't sleep on them. They're good as a tag team. You still got the best friends. I mean, the tag team division is something. It's just that we were missing two big key elements, which were the Young Bucks and FTR, and now both of their schedules are wide open, and as I said before, the tag team division, they're gonna be starting smoking now. Now, on to the main event. One hour Ironman matchup. FTR going against Brian Danielson. This match would end at first in a draw with 3 to 3. The first fall will go to Brian Danielson when he would hit MGF with a Paseco knee. And that's how the first fall will go. The second fall will go to Brian Danielson by disqualification when MGF would low blow Brian. The third and fourth fall will go to MGF pretty quickly because as soon as he low blow Brian Danielson, MGF would pin Brian the, for the third fall. He'll get that, and then he'll pin him again for the fourth fall immediately, and he will get that. So now we're two and two. The fifth fall will go to MGF when he would hit the heat seeker on Brian Danielson after he put him through the timeskeeper table with a flying elbow that MGF hits off the top turnbuckle. So now the 6-4 will go to Brian after he will apply the regal stretch on MGF, and MGF would tap out. Now those two will continue to do battle. MGF would be bloody at this moment, and both of them would just constantly go back and forth, back and forth, shot for shot, bong, bong, bong. And within the last minute, MGF would be trapped in a Boston leg hold, and Brian would hold on to it, and MGF would just have to... Hold out until the time went down to zero. And once it did, Brian Danielson was still holding on to the hold a little bit. MJF would immediately start tapping and Brian would let go. But again, that fall does not count. So we see it's down to 3-3. Time limit has expired. Brian Danielson is being looked at by a couple people. You see the medics come down to the ring. They put the oxygen mask on MGF because he's gassed at this time. And we're thinking, okay, this is going to end in a draw. Nope. Tony Schiavone would have to go down to the ring and tell Justin Roberts the news that he got from Tony Khan. And Justin Roberts would announce to everyone that Tony Khan has announced that this match will continue under one more fall in sudden death. So there must be a winner. So the medics will leave the ring. They will take the oxygen tank out of there. And the other medics that are looking at Brian will leave the ring. Brian will get up because he's ready to go. MGF, he's still trying to catch his breath, but he can't do it but for so much because now he has to go against Brian Danielson for the last fall. And they will go at it. And MGF would get the last fall by submission. When he would hit Brian Danielson with the oxygen tank when the referee wasn't looking, and then lock in the label lock. And Brian would hold out for a little bit, but eventually he would tap out. So the final score would be 4-3. MGF is your winner. Now MGF and Brian Danielson, they had a great Ironman matchup here. At first, they did a couple of locks, they did what they had to do wrestling. But then, M.G.F., he had to cool himself down, he would leave the ring, he would go through the crowd, again, being a complete dickhead as he is, There's one moment that he grabbed a mother's cup away from her, and he would throw the fluid of that cup into the son of the mother. It was a small little boy, and I thought, this man is a complete dick, what was that? You do that to adults, yeah, fine, but you do that to a child, my G- you would have got hurt if that was my mother are you out your mind if you would do that to my kid bro there's no way i'm not gonna try to duff you out right now but he's (laughs) just was able to do that hopefully that kid and his mother got to talk backstage with AEW officials and got to meet some of the wrestlers that's what i'm hoping but we'll see because there will be reports coming out sometime throughout this week um Yeah, that was one moment of MJF just being a complete douche. There was another moment that he, again, took time out at the beginning of the matchup to leave the ring, and he talked into the camera to Dave Meltzer, and he said that, is that going to make me lose a star, Dave Meltzer? Looks like I'm not going to get the Bryan Danielson award. So MJF is basically just trying to take off as much people as he can, and that's what MJF is known to do. But also, MJF is a good wrestler. Don't let the antics fool you. MJF a good wrestler. In this match, you are able to see that he's able to actually high fly. As I stated earlier, he hit Brian Danson with the elbow drop off the top turnbuckle onto Brian, who was outside on the Timeskeeper table. He also did go for a moonsault off of the springboard outside of the ring, but he would miss and land on his leg. And MJF is a high flyer when he wants to be a high flyer. But MGF knows what he's doing. He knows how to make the crowd uh, bend to his will. And he knows how to work inside the ring without doing all the high dangerous stuff. And he knows how to pull it out when he has to pull it out in these big matches. And this was a big match against Brian Danielson. And there's another thing in this matchup that I want people to really pay attention to. As I'm saying this. In this situation... He would tell Brian at moments that you think you're the best in the world, you're not. And that phrase would constantly be repeated throughout that matchup. And at one point, MJF would go into the camera and say, I'm the best in the world. So this is telling you that, okay, we're going to a CM punk situation. CM Punk did not return last night, but he's coming because of that. Again. AEW, they like to drop little nuggets for the fans and the diehards to really pick up on it just for it to create some type of buzz around on the internet that the casual might overhear or see and might pick up on them and then that can start spreading like a wildfire. So with MJF saying this, we all now know, okay, they're setting up something for MJF and a returning CM Punk. When's CM Punk coming back? I don't know. But again, he should be coming back soon i believe but time will tell on that uh side of the clock but we all know that's what they're setting the table for MGF and cm punk is mjf gonna be with cm punk or go against we have no idea we'll have to wait and see but that's just what it is MGF did get a uh, grand entrance and he did walk out with his devil uh mask that he did wear at um all out where he ended up winning that poker chip, and he ended up unmasking himself, having a little stare down with CM Punk at the end of All Out. He did wear that mask coming down to the ring after his uh, big, grand entrance. So again, they're laying the foundation for Punk to come back. And again, for Punk to go against MJF, I'll be happy with that too. But Punk to be the teacher for MJF, that will be great too. Anything with Punk and MJF, I'm down for so, we'll have to wait and see with this, but the big story here is MGF, Brian Danielson, they had a great one-hour Iron Man match and the conclusion of it was great in the aftermath with the sudden death. It was great. As I said, this was another match of the night contender. You have the Trios Championship, you have the Texas Death Match, and you have the one-hour Iron Man match. All three of those matches, I would highly suggest you to try to find and watch. And also, again, this whole match card Was completely fire. This whole match, this whole straight up pay per view was fire. So, do what you can to watch AEW Revolution. I promise you, you will not be disappointed in anything that you see. That's on me. I promise you that. So, again, that's just how I feel about it. Revolution, great show. I can't wait to see what they pull out on Dynamite this week. And that's all I got for you here. Now, if you enjoyed listening to me with this review, I would suggest you to click on the subscribe button where you are listening to this podcast review on all the podcast sites. I would suggest you do that because you will always be notified of when I drop episodes. Now, with that being said, I love you all. I thank you. If you haven't listened to my Sunday episode called Energy, go ahead and listen to that. And I will be dropping a Wednesday episode midweek breakdown. It'll be covering the Chris Rock uh, Netflix special. And also, this upcoming Saturday, as usual, like all the past Saturdays, I will be dropping the wrestling highlights of the week for you there. So, those are my upcoming dates for episodes to be dropping. But with that all being said, I love you all. I thank you. This has been your AEW Revolution 2023 review. And this has been G2. I love you guys. Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wet